0: What a kind and gracious congregation. What a beautiful uh, pastor that you have. We actually first met about 12 years ago uh, when we were privileged to take a trip with uh, then-elect President Mike Huckabee. We followed the footsteps upon uh, John Paul II, up to England, Margaret Thatcher, and then home here to Thousand Oaks and visited the Reagan uh, Library Museum because those three people really brought down communism. And most people never really think about how powerful uh, the Church was involved in bringing down such an evil, tyrannical government. One of the things I never thought about uh, that when we were there, we were in Poland, and i can 't now remember the city that we were at right at the top of my head, but we had gone down to where a church had started there, and they would um, this is after the World War II we 'd driven out Nazism, then everything got divided up. And of course, communist uh, Russia became uh, lord over many nations. It got divided up, etc. we were standing there at this church place where this cross was, is a steel beam, and believers there had held up that cross and would have church. Now, if you've ever been in Poland, it's as cold as Iowa. When I left Iowa, it was zero degrees to come out here, and uh, and so when we um, when we got here, it was a breath of fresh air. I must say, you have sunshine. That's nice. And uh, so we warmed up a little bit, but today in Iowa, it's 52 degrees, so I don't know if you really have too much on us today. But that's Iowa, it's just up and down, and Poland the same way, about the same uh, geographical area, and it's cold there in the winter. Went to Auschwitz, it's cold in those barns that they kept those people in. While we're standing at that steel cross, uh, one of the fellows who's a guide leaned over to me because we were singing at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light, and we heard how the communists had constantly taken that cross down and would not let the people meet, and uh, to come together and worship God. they say, you know, there is no God, get out of here. And they take the cross, they'd throw it in the ditch. Next uh, evening, Sunday, the weekend, here would be these people, take that cross, set it up, and they'd come around there and worship. And so I'm listening to this story and thinking to myself, wow. And we have people who don't come to church when it rains, you know. And here are these people, you know, coming. And, and uh, so he turned to me and he said, um, he said, Pastor, he said, why did, you, why did you leave Poland after you drove out the Nazis and leave us to communism? He said, it was worse under communism. He said, it was atheistic. There was no God. They, they tried to push God out of the way. Why did you leave us to communism? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't in charge. But I thought about that statement that he made, and the reason I think about that is because too often as believers, we really stay out of the political environment because we say, well, that's off limits. We don't really speak into that world. They're doing their own thing. But they really aren't doing their own thing. The Bible tells us to pray for them. Do you ever think about the Antichrist himself goes after three things, government, military, and money? That's what he wants to rule. So, he becomes a diplomat of the highest order, 10-nation governance that he tries to t- take his military, changes all of our economic systems uh, to not be able to buy or sell without a particular currency, a mark. He's after government, he's after military, he's after money. And it is, isn't it interesting that Satan knows how to control people through that? And so, the church often backs it. So, no wonder the Bible tells us, pray for your government leaders. Ask God to give them direction. Ask God to show them what to do. Because without God in our lives, we really don't know what to do. Isn't it true? I greet you from Iowa because your faith and courage is heard a shot around the world for standing up to Governor Tyranny that said, you can't meet and worship the Lord. And I thought about those communists saying, you can't meet and worship God in Poland. And so our church is well aware of your courage and faith and your pastor's leadership and his courage and faith to stand up for truth and uh, continue to meet. So, we're glad to be with you. My wife Peggy and I have come. She stayed with me for 42 years. We got married when we were 12. And uh, we have six kids. And uh, as Pastor Rob mentioned in the video, we were foster parents for numerous years, 25 actually, until the... uh, Uh, until the regulations just became too difficult. They wanted to fingerprint my kids, and I said, no, you're not fingerprinting my kids. But in that period of time, we were honored to have over 31 families in our church that actually became foster parents, many of them adopting special needs children. And uh, we were privileged to go up to the state house in Iowa and meet with legislators to help them understand how to do foster care system, because they really don't know how, and, uh, and so we are privileged to do that, and I was intrigued by that whole dynamic because now we go up to the state house regular, and, uh, meaning uh, a couple times a year where I go up and meet with the legislators and pray with them and uh, find out the things they struggle with and the things that they need help with and the wisdom that they need from God. And uh, so we ought to be involved in that uh, dynamic. And so we appreciate you having us out here and uh, and having a chance to speak to you. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of the Scripture. I know you do hear there, this at your church. We make people sit. Uh, but I'm going to have you stand. We're reading from John chapter 14, verse 6. And I see there are some people in the aisles to help you if you don't have a Bible with you. And so John chapter 14, verse 6. Grab one of those uh, Bibles, and you can find that portion of Scripture. I'm reading from John chapter 14, verse 6. This is a really familiar Scripture to you. And uh, and so... or. Uh, most people it is and uh, so maybe this is the first time you've heard this scripture but I'll read the whole context of it in John chapter 14 beginning at verse 6. Are you ready? I'm reading out of the King James Version so that might be different than yours. Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Can anybody say amen to the reading of the Scripture? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I tease my congregation all the time. I say, you know, when I read through the Gospels, it seems that Jesus is always sitting and teaching. I think, I'm going to start sitting and teach while you stand and listen. Amen. In John 14, 6, this Scripture stands out to me in such a dramatic way because of the isolated statement it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Buddha never said it. Neither is Allah. Neither is the 300 million gods of Hindi. Not one other religion, not one other divine book, there are 26 of them, has ever declared such an erratical statement, there's only one way to God, I'm it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's a radical statement because it marked people who begin to follow Jesus Christ. In fact when you read through the gospels you'll see Jesus teaching and preaching and healing those are the three things he did through all the cities and the and the villages and the countryside people came from everywhere in the acts of the apostles though you never see them called followers of Jesus in fact it's not till acts 13 at antioch where they're first called christians christ like is what it means but all through the acts of the apostle you see Christians called people of the way. The way. The way of Christ was so unique and different from the way of man, it stood out and made anyone who followed Christ stand out as well. It stood out because the way was so different from the way of man. It changed the way their moral lives were. It changed the way they talked. In fact, just go to your company tomorrow morning and And work, and the first thing you do when you get there is say, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, I'm so glad to be here. And see if it's normal. (laughs) Everyone will notice because it's a different way. It's a different way. The Bible said praise actually looks beautiful on a person, but to the world, it is not comely or attractive. They can stand in a stadium and do the wave, but stand in a church and lift up holy hands to heaven and suddenly you're weird. What makes you weird is because it's a different way. The Bible says lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. In fact, the scripture talks about the wave offering. The wave was something people lifted up and waved before the Lord. Here's our sacrifice. Think about us. We lift up empty hands. Because Christ is our sacrifice, what an incredible difference this is from the way of the world! Just nudge somebody and say, "You're weird." Go ahead, just tell them it's a, it's good for them. Well, don't get carried away, okay? In Acts chapter nine, Saul was given letters of authority to go persecute, find, arrest, and kill people of the way. Not people who follow Jesus, people of the way. In Acts chapter 18, Apollos, who is an eloquent speaker and mighty in the Scriptures, the Bible says, had learned the way of the Lord up until John the Baptist. He didn't know about Christ dying. He didn't know about his resurrection. He knew about up to John the Baptist. Isaiah had spoken of him. He would be a reed in the wilderness, crying, show us the way of the Lord. John says he would show the way of the Lord. In verse 26, Aquila and Priscilla, they were married. They took him aside and they expounded unto him the way of the Lord. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul came down to Ephesus, he found certain disciples there, disciples of John. There were 12 of them that got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues and prophesied. The Bible says in verse 9, but some different people hardened their hearts and they believed not but spoke evil of that way. That way. What is that way? Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. There are many today who are hardening their hearts and don't believe, and they speak evil of that way, the way of the Lord. I'm sure people spoke evil of you. How dare you gather and worship when we tell you you can't. How dare you set up a cross in the middle of a Polish winter and worship when we say you can't. They spoke evil of that way. You know, a lot of people today say there's multiple truths. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is relative, they teach us in our educational systems, which means basically you can have your truth and I can have mine. But how is that truth? If my truth is four plus one equals five and your truth is four plus two equals five, we both can't be truthful. One of us has to be wrong. Truth is not plural. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he didn't say there are many gods that you can find the Father in. I'm the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. No wonder Deuteronomy 6 says, I am the Lord your God, and we are one. One. In Acts chapter 22, Paul's in Jerusalem. And he's mobbed and he's beaten by the Roman soldiers. And they interrupt the beating and they arrest him because they figure he's the troublemaker. And as they're about to lead him away, Paul speaks in the Greek language to the Romans who speak in Greek. So impressed was the man that he knew the language that he stopped and spoke with him. And Paul said, please let me speak to the mob for just a few moments. The Roman centurion allowed it. Paul speaks to the mob in Hebrew because most of them are Jews. And he tells them, I was born a Jew of Tarsus. I was raised up in Jerusalem under your most esteemed teacher, Gamaliel. And I lived according to the perfect manner of the law of our fathers. I have been zealous towards God, even as you are. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding them, delivering people to prison, both men and women. What was this way that Paul was speaking of? The way of Jesus Christ. The way of Christ. Truth and life. No wonder Pilate stood before him and said, And who are you? Jesus said, I am the truth. And Pilate said, Yeah, well, what is truth? You're looking at him. He is the way, the truth, the life. No wonder Paul talks so often about the the importance of, of following God's word. There's an interesting scripture, Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way which seems right unto men, but its end is death. There is a way that seems right unto men, but its way is death, or its end is death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. His way is not the end of death. It's kind of like Adam and Eve, isn't it? They're in the garden. God gives them the way. I've made everything for you. I've blessed you. Caused you to be fruitful, productive, increase, multiply. I give you rule over the planet. Have dominion over it. This one tree, don't partake of That's off limits to you. Here comes Satan along and says, Hey, did God really say this? I mean, is that true? They said, oh yeah, it's true. It's what God said. No, said, Satan, it's a lie. You won't die. In fact, you'll become as God is if you just partake of that. In that way, that looked desirous, looked good for food, and oh, it would make you wise. They ate of it and how stupid they became. Separated from God, separated from life, separated from his way, they lost their home, they lost their productivity, they lost their abundance. As I always tell my wife, be careful, you're not my help eat, you're my help meet. Because Eve ate Adam out of house and home. keep your halos on, come on. (laughs) In that moment, they lost their way. Confused, chaos erupts in the earth, such chaos, such death, such deceit, such abuse, such sin, that God said, I'm going to need to destroy the whole earth to keep my line of Noah and that righteous seed. He does. And afterwards, people gather and The Bible says, God says, go populate all of the earth and live upon it. But no, there is a way that seems right unto man. Let's centralize the government. Let's bring it all together, a little place called Babel. Let's build us a tower to the sky and say, this is how we can really rule ourselves and we'll be safe and have prosperity and and we'll be all together as one. But that's not the way of the Lord. And again, it ended up in confusion, it ended up in deceit, it ended up in abuse, and people again begin to live their way. There is a way that seems right to men, but its end is death. What is the way of the Lord? The Bible says that God created everything through faith. Everything he did was through faith. He spoke the worlds into existence by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hebrews 11.3 says, faith is God's way. You aren't meant to live with doubt and suspicion and criticism and unbelief and fear. No, you were made to live by faith. Faith in what God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what God says, his word. Faith is God's way. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. 2 Corinthians 5 seven We walk by faith. Romans 3.28, A person is justified by faith. Matthew 21.22, Whatever we ask in prayer, we receive by faith. 1 John 5.4, This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Faith is the way of the Lord. It's the road, it's the path, it's the method of God. God made the world through faith. We walk by it. We're justified by it. We receive from God by faith. We overcome the world by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace, you are saved through faith. Faith is a way of God. Faith is not obscure. It's not unknown to us. In fact, we have faith in a lot of things. Today, when I drove up here, I had faith that the red light would turn green. Not because God told me. I just had faith that it would. I had faith in the GPS that it would get to me. That woman half doesn't know where she's going, but she got me here. <laughs> we have faith in a lot of natural things, but faith in God is unique because faith is the way of Jesus. You might have faith in Buddha, but Buddha can't save you. He's a good little fat man, but there's no <laughs> salvation in him. You can have faith in Allah, but Allah won't save you. Only if you go to a holy war or if you give enough funds or if you somehow do enough good works, Allah might let you into some sort of heaven. Hinduism has over 300 million gods and none of them can save you. In fact, talk to a Hindi person about Jesus, about him being God, and they're like, yeah, it's good with me, I'll take one more. But say he's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only law. Well, now, no, no, no. Now you've become too radical. Now you've become too radical. When COVID came to all of America and our governor as well began to shut down business, just trying to figure out how to keep people safe, said something's wrong with this picture. The church is the greatest ministry capability on earth to a world no matter what kind of thing is being attacked people need the way of Christ I was privileged to meet with the governor with about seven other pastors from Iowa and we met with her privately along with Senator Ernst Senator Grassley Vice President Mike Pence came and we were able to meet with her and talk to them about the issue of how to handle such uh, such sickness that somehow was invading our country and thank God our governor agreed with us and, and opened the state back up. We're still from the land of the home of the free and the brave. Yes. It's important to have those relationships with people. I said to our, our mayor, his name's Steve, I talked to Steve. I said, Steve said, I just want you to know we're going we're gonna to have church on Sunday. It was Easter. I said, are you kidding me? We're, we're not going to stay home and watch on Sunday. Watch church online at Easter. We're going to have church. So I said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do an outdoor service. It'll be a drive-in service. He said, well, Monty, if that's what you think is best, and he said, I'm not going to keep you from it. Steve's a Christian. I said, well, thanks, Steve. I just wanted to let you know. I didn't want to cause any problems for you. Then the Department of Human Health and Services called us and said, I hear you're going to have an open service. Yes, we are. I said, you know, people come in cars. It's going to be safe. You know, we're going to gather together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And she said, okay. She said, where are you going to have bathrooms at? And I said, well, they'll be in our building. We have large bathrooms in our the building. They'll be open. She goes, oh, well, you'll need, you'll need a guard to stand guard over the restroom so that only one person at a time can go in there. I said, okay, is that what you do at Walmart? We have a Walmart in our community. <laughs> she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, do you have a guard at Walmart so only one person can go in the bathroom at a time? She goes, well, well, no, we don't monitor that. I said, well, then don't try and monitor me at church and tell me I can only have one person in the bathroom at a time. So, we all went potty together. Anyway, <clears throat> the way of Jesus is the way of faith, not the way of fear. The way of Jesus is the way of faith, not of doubt. The way of Jesus is the way of faith and not unbelief. Faith is the way of Jesus. It marked people. It marked people in such a way that people said, you know, these are people of the way. What way? The way of faith in what God says. When you read through the Gospels and see the, the numerous accounts of the Gospels, there are 17 different individual cases of people getting delivered, saved, healed. Every one of them deal with faith. Matthew eight thirteen to a Roman centurion. Go your way, Jesus said. Your faith has made your servant well. Matthew 9.22, a woman who is bleeding. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Matthew 15.28, a woman whose daughter is sick comes to Jesus. Woman, great is your faith. It's made your daughter whole. Mark 5.34, to a woman who is ill. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Mark 10.52, to a blind man go your way, your faith has healed you. Luke 7, 75, to a woman who had washed his feet and was known for her moral lifestyle, Jesus said, your faith has delivered you. In Luke 7, 75, to a woman who washed his feet, Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Luke 17, 19, to a leper, arise and go your way, your faith has made you whole. Luke 18:42 to a blind man your faith has saved you faith is the way of the lord why would we go to work on monday morning and say glory hallelujah praise god forevermore because of faith That God is for you, not against you. Because faith that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Because of your faith that he goes with you everywhere you go. Because of your faith that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because of your faith in his word. Glory to God, I'm ready to get at it today. And people will think you're strange. They'll say, oh, you're from that church. It's the way of Christ. There is a way that seems right to man, but it's not faith. Its way is death. It's not life. It's called not faith in what you can see, but rather faith in what He has decreed. I don't live by what I see, but by what He decrees, what He said, which is the way of life. Well, not me. That's just stupid. It's not even logical. If it was me, you got to figure out by what you can see. And then what you can see is how you logically figure out how you can live. Oh, is that right? Well, then tell me how this works when I talk to a hospital administrator who tells me everyone I check into the hospital, pastor, I have to check in, mark them with COVID. I said, why is that? Because they tell me I have to. I said, do they all have COVID? No. Then why do you mark them? Because that's what we have to do. So when you start coming out with numbers about how many people are getting sick, I'm kind of questioning that because I'm not going to go by what I can see. I had a top administrator who said, you know, something's fishy about this whole deal. I'm going to send in the test cabs. They came in kits of 50. So I send them in a test kit of 50, and, and when they come back, they all come back positive, but none of them were used. The way of man seems right, but it ends in death. There's not life in it. It ends in deceit, and it destroys people. Hey, the fruit's good. Hey, there's more than two genders. Hey, you can live any way you want, and God loves you. Hey. Just celebrate Satanism. There are many gods. I walked into the prison a couple weeks ago with my wife, and I know the prison chaplain, I know the prison warden. It's not because I've been there, I just thought I'd... <laughs> but familiar with them, talked with them on many occasions. We have a ministry there at the prison. And When I walked in there, I noticed the largest section of books in their chapel area was witchcraft and Satanism. Said something has to change about that. So we're working to provide books and resources into them. Say, let's, let's get them the right way. Let's find the way, the truth, the life. In, in Mark chapter 5, it's an interesting story, and I want to kind of close. This is my first train whistle. You know how the, the whistle blows, you know, 10 minutes before it stops? This is my, this is my first train whistle. In Mark chapter 5, there talks about a woman with an issue of blood. And she hears about Jesus. And so she comes to him and says, If I can just touch the border of his garment, I'll be healed. And I always read that scripture and I thought, Why did she do that? I mean, what does touching a border have to do with any kind of health or healing? And then as I read other scriptures in the gospel, I begin to understand what she heard. For example, Mark 6, 56, wherever Jesus entered into villages or cities or countries, they would lay the sick in the streets and they would beseech him that they might touch if it were the borders of his garment. And as many as touched them were made whole. Here was another in Matthew fourteen thirty-five. And when the men of that place had knowledge that Christ had sent into all that country round about, they brought unto him all that were diseased. Verse 36, and they besought him that they might touch just the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. Well, no, I'm interested. I keep reading. When she hears of Jesus, what does she hear? Heard, people are touching the hem of his garment, and you could be healed. So she believed it. So she went to do it. Now you might read this scripture and think, "Well, that's kind of superstitious, isn't it? Like a rabbit's foot, you know, hem of the garment." But if you're a Jew, you're familiar with the Mosaic law. In Numbers 15, they were to make tassels to put on the hem or border of the garment to remind them of every word from God. They would touch it and hold it in their time of prayer, saying, we believe the word that God has spoken to us. When we go to Israel, as you do here in your church, and I see your pastor takes groups every year, and we go about every two years, you can go down to the western wall, the wailing wall, they call it, and there you can see the Jewish rabbis standing by the wall, and they're doing this, and they're speaking Hebrew. I don't know what they're saying, but they're speaking Hebrew, and they're doing this over and over, and they're holding on to their shawls, and their shawls all have tassels on them. I found out early on that each tassel represents a word from God. And as they hold the tassels and pray, they're bowing before the Lord in humility. This is your word. This is your word. This is your word. This is the way. Sadly, they become so legalistic, religious in their dynamic of ritual. They have no faith in the word. They only have some in their ritual. But Jesus said the traditions of men make the word of God ineffective. As a Jew, they knew that these borders meant the word of God. For instance, Malachi 4, maybe this makes sense to you. It says, to those who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his borders. The King James translates it, wings, Same as borders. It's even cooler when you understand that in the culture of the ancient East, the border or the corner of the garment would represent a person's identity, their position, what they stood for. So Ruth, for example, when she's seeking marriage from Boaz, remember what she asked? Spread the corner of your garment over me. Some translations say spread the wings over me. She wants him to identify her as his own. Put your garment around me. His banner over me is love. In Ezekiel, yeah, well don't patty clake like you're at a golf, let's give it up. In Ezra chapter 6 verse 8, when God makes covenant with Israel, excuse me, not Ezra, Ezekiel, he postures himself, pictures himself, God, as spreading the corner of his garment over Israel, his bride. He's identifying with her. Remember when David is in the caves and he's hiding from Saul? and Saul is yelling out he's come to you know capture him and defeat him because he's jealous of David and David sneaks into the cave and he cuts a corner of the garment of Saul off his kingly robe he goes back to his cave and then he yells Saul across the valley I've been in it Saul Saul answers, Is that you? Is that you, David, my servant? And he holds up the corner of his garment. He said, I was in your cave. I could have taken your whole garment and identified as the new king, but I won't touch the Lord's anointed. No wonder when Malachi prophesies that the Messiah, the son of righteousness, will identify himself with you with healing in his borders. People want to touch the hem of his garment. And all the accounts of the women with the issue of blood, Matthew 9.20, Mark 5.25, Luke 8.43, all of them tell the same story with a little bit different look. A lot of people are touching Jesus. So much so That Jesus stops and says, someone touched me. And his disciples say, "Everybody's, everybody's touching you, Lord. What do you mean someone touched me? Jesus says, now someone's faith was released in my garment. Where is she? She trembling comes and tells him all about it. And Jesus says, Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you whole. Faith in what? The word incarnate. The word among us, the son of righteousness with healing in his garment borders. No wonder Hebrews 10.22 says, Draw near unto God with a true heart, in full assurance of faith holding fast your profession of faith it's the way of the lord it's the way of the lord the bible said we having the same spirit of faith as it's written i believe therefore i have spoken people of the way talk different they talk about what god can do they talk about what god is doing They say crazy things like, he'll turn whatever things are evil for my good. (laughs) Where did you get that? Oh, a little scripture, Romans 8. I've never heard anything like that. How does he do that? Then people who are looking to make a buck say, you know, that's really a cool word. It's the tough things that make you strong. It's not until you go through the hard things that you really achieve something. They never mention anything about scripture. They just sell books and, name of self-help, and they become our gurus, and we idolize them without really having faith in God. Oh, that's really good preaching, Pastor Monty. I like that a lot. I'd never really thought of it like that before. Isn't it really powerful how wonderful the Word of God is? It means simply to come in agreement with Him. That's what faith is. I believe what you've said above what anyone can else says. In the middle of my crisis, in the middle of my turmoil, in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of illness, in the middle of things that are coming against me, what has your word said? Because that's what I'm going to hold on to. That's what I'm going to grab. I'm going to put my faith in that. No wonder Paul writes, I believed and therefore I spoke. Because when you believe, you will speak it too. I believe that God has been raised from the dead. And that Jesus Christ is alive forevermore and sits at the right hand of God the Father, and He's coming back for me. And I say it with boldness in Jesus' name. (laughs) I want to pray with you, and then we're going to receive communion. Father, what an incredible God you are the way, the truth, the life. So many things that we often question or sometimes even run away from because they're not logical or they don't seem to be reasonable. How does a Red Sea split by throwing a staff at it? How does an axe head float by putting a branch over it? How does a woman get healed by touching the border of a garment? Faith, faith in your word, faith in what you've decreed, faith in what you've said, faith in that you're coming again and you're coming back for people of that way. When I come to the earth, will I find faith upon it, Jesus said. Today, you may have come and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're visiting for someone asked you to come or you just came to check things out. Or maybe you're actually looking for God. But you've never had faith in Christ. Oh, you know about him. You know about Easter and Christmas. But it's more of a ritual to you. More of a holiday than a personal thing. Will you believe it today? It's the way of the Lord. He's the only way. You can't find salvation in any other name. You might be married or divorced, single. You might be widowed. You might be a different ethnic group, or a different skin color, or speak a different language. But none of that matters to God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You can come by faith in Christ and His resurrection and know His salvation today. And if you're here today, I want to pray that prayer with you, for you. In fact, I'm going to ask just for you to respond. Well, how do you want me to respond? Well, just by lifting up a hand. Hey, Pastor, I want to know Christ as my savior. I want to believe that he's died for me and been raised from the dead. I want his salvation. I'm going to ask what heads are bowed in prayer. You just lift up your hands. Hey, pastor, that's me. God bless you. Thanks. I appreciate your response, your acknowledgement. Yeah, I'm looking. Thank you. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Is there anyone else? Say, that's me. I want to know Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah all right, I'm going to pray this prayer with you and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me and just say it to yourself. God in heaven, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead to forgive my sin. And today I call him Lord. Thank you, God, for making yourself real to me in the name of of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're going to receive communion together and you can receive communion with us for those of you who raised your hand because you're a believer now. You're in the way. What I mean is in the way of Christ. And after communion, there'll be a time of prayer here at the front where people will come and pray with you. And and I want you to raise your hand. I want you to get out of your seat and come down and talk with them and say, hey, I prayed with pastor today when he when he said that prayer to have faith in Christ. Because we wanna know that you did that. We wanna help you walk in your walk with God. All of you should have a communion article on your seat. This actually comes from the Old Testament and is now practiced in the New. It's one of the two ordinances of the church, water baptism and communion. It's an ordinance because God doesn't want us to forget. In fact, do you know how many times the Bible tells us to remember? Remember that he's the Lord who forgives all thy iniquity heals all thy disease, redeems thy life from destruction, and crowns you with loving kindness. Don't forget it. Remember, it's why it's an ordinance. I want you to open the, the top of the cup which has the bread in it, the cracker. Took it, put it out in your hand. The Bible says this represents the Lord's body, broken, beaten, whipped, punished, judged for us. The Bible says there's healing in it. I want you to grab that border today by faith. And I want you to believe for healing in that little bread that you're going to eat in the name of Jesus Christ. Today, Father, we partake of the Lord's body that brings us healing and wholeness, restoration, redemption, and we eat of it today by faith in your name. Let's eat together. And then open the cup with the lid. The blood of Christ in the Old Testament and interesting statements made there to take this blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb and mark their doors, top each side, signifying Calvary without them ever seeing it, but that Christ would shed his blood for the remission of our sins. Today we are covered, we're in Christ, we come in the door in the house under the blood, and there's no judgment, no condemnation on our lives anymore. We're free from sin and its judgment. Today, let's drink of his blood by faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I pray over you, Father. How gracious and merciful you are to us in your healing and wholeness, delivering us from our fears, from our illnesses, from our sins. Oh God, what a great God you are. Thank you for delivering us. We celebrate your table, the communion of God, recognizing that you're coming back for us and we're looking for you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen.